Wow. After a song like that, after a worship moment like that, we're going to open up the Word of God and I've got to bring you some really interesting news in compared to what we just experienced here this morning. And that is in a recent Barna study, when asked why don't you go to church, polling nearly 4,500 believers across the nation, 40% of them said they find God elsewhere. When the, when the same pool of people were asked, why do you go to church? Only 10% of them said for community. And only 22% of them believed it was actually biblical and that you must or should gather together. After a moment just like that, I, 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 my brain, there's a disconnect with me with that concept. But what I find interesting about that Barna study compared to another a study between two different surveys, one that took place in 2000 and one that took place far more recently in 2018. It saw that there was an exponential increase in the people here in America that would say they feel lonely or in need of a few good friends, real friends. And with, with, with those two studies, it's so interesting to me that what we find here is this, this question. What's missing in the two studies? Real, meaningful connection. That's what's missing. For all the technology that we possess between Snapchat and FaceTime, putting us in immediate contact, visual contact with loved ones all over the world, the average American would say that they feel lonelier now than they have in years past. Isn't that incredible? For all of those, the, these apparatuses for connection that we possess in the modern technological age that we are in, the average person feels more disconnected than they ever have. Which is why it continues to interest me that when it comes to worshiping God, so oftentimes we do so in a silo, alone. You've probably heard it before or maybe even said it out loud, something like these words. I don't need church to worship God, so I don't need to go. I worship, church, I worship God alone in the deer stand, at my breakfast nook, on the couch, or out in nature. And while it is true that you and I can worship God alone, we can worship God out in nature, in our breakfast nooks. What's also true is that we are lacking something very important. And so I would invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. See, don't get me wrong, you can totally do this. In fact, you should worship God in everything you do. We're told that in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. See, our faith in Christ is deeply personal but it is not private. It can't be. See, you and I, we were designed to connect. And humans naturally seek connection. We seek to experience life together. Even babies demonstrate this in its most simple form, this design for connection in what are called mirror neurons. 
A mirror neuron is what causes the, the, the brain to fire, and when you make a silly face to a little baby and you stick out your tongue and they attempt to copy you. And as we get older, those mirror neurons fire off in what we know as empathy and sympathy. And so when we cry together and we laugh together and we celebrate together, and those neurons just go to show the design clearly spoken of in Genesis. See, ultimately, our design for connection is found in the image of God. And in Genesis, we find that every human being is created in the image of God. And that image of God includes a triune nature, simply put, where we worship one God in three persons who has experienced perfect connection and community for all eternity. And we were designed in that image. It's why we, we desire connection. It's why we, 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 we seek for authentic community. And so here at Carnival First Baptist Church, when we say we are CFBC, here's a desire for us as a church. We want to see every believer connected in a small group. This new series that we're starting today is going to kind of walk through some of the DNA of our church. See, essentially everything that we do here is connected to one of these concepts, whether we're connecting or we're being equipped or we're seeking to serve one another in our community. It's part of who we are, and now more than ever with our new website, you can find your next step. Just scroll down that home page, and you'll find a group for connecting, for equipping, and for serving. Because we are called to connect to God and to each other. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would speak through your word this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would awaken our hearts to what you're trying to say to us. And so God, have your way in this moment and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that you've found your, your, your way to Acts 2, I want to set up the passage. Many of you will know this passage well. When we, when, we, when we come to verse 42, which will be the start of our passage this morning, what we're coming into is a scene that takes place many days after Jesus has ascended back into heaven. And, and the, the apostles and believers in Jesus have gathered together on this, the, the, this rooftop of someone's home. And we know that this home had to have been very centralized in the city of Jerusalem because of what happens next. And as they're there and they're, and they're, they're, they're teaching and praying, the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles in a very clear and tangible way. As tongues of flame are seen hovering above their heads and, and those who have gathered together begin to hear them preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ who died for the sins of the world and rose again in three days to offer life. And everyone who was gathered begins to hear them preaching in their own native language. And then Peter stands up on this rooftop and preaches one of the most spirit-filled sermons in the book of Acts. And he declares Jesus Christ, who was crucified, is now alive. And what we find here in this moment is that the very first church is born as 3,000 people respond to the message of Christ by placing faith in Jesus Christ. 
and 3,000 people are saved that day. See, church is not a building. It is a group of believers who gather together to worship God and love each other. That is what church is. And so when we come to verse 42, we are encountering the direct result of salvation and spirit-filled Christianity. Read with me in verse 42. And they, those, those 3,000 plus believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Immediately after coming to faith in Christ, these believers begin to gather together and meet together consistently and regularly. Why? Because they had just experienced a life-changing truth. They had just experienced Christ. See, we all desire connection. And these believers, they became excited to be with other people who had experienced the same experiences and who, who were excited about the same things. We see this play out today, for instance, now that Ja Morant has become one of the most dominant basketball players in the NBA. The popularity of Memphis Grizzly games has increased exponentially as people are excited. Here's something I've noticed over the past several years, and it's, it's so true, especially this past season. The city of Memphis is never as united as it is than when the Memphis Grizzlies are doing well. Isn't that interesting? See, as, as excitement grows, people begin to go to the games and they buy the merch and then they get all excited and they talk about what's happening and people begin to take pride in Memphis. But see, you and I, we do the same thing. When we go to a sports event and we begin cheering for one of the teams or when we go to concerts or conferences where we're surrounded by people with shared interests and excitement, because see, ultimately, we all desire connection. And what's so interesting is in those moments, your age, your gender, your career, your background doesn't matter. Connection is bigger than those things. The difference here in Acts 2 is that these believers have experienced a life-changing truth. That Jesus Christ is the risen Savior of the world the long-awaited Messiah, the way to God, and the source of life for all eternity. And so they come together excited because this goes beyond what they found in Jesus, goes beyond their hobbies, their careers, their families, or entertainment. Look in verse 42 again, their response, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which means the word of God. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Peter that the apostles wrote and taught as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so the believers devoted themselves to the word of God, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And throughout the New Testament, see Luke and Paul, they will use the term breaking of bread synonymously with the idea of celebrating the Lord's Supper, celebrating Jesus Christ 
his death, burial, and resurrection. And of course, prayer is us connecting directly with God. But here's what I want you to notice. Out of those four concepts, three of them you can do by yourself. You can study the Bible alone. Now, one might argue that that celebrating the Lord's Supper was always done in in a group of believers, but you can celebrate Jesus by yourself. You can pray to God by yourself. But there is one of those concepts you cannot do alone. Fellowship. See, with these four concepts, there is one you cannot do by yourself because it's only able to be done in a community of believers. Fellowship. What God is demonstrating in Acts chapter 2 is that following Christ, don't miss this, is a two-part equation. Devotion to God and devotion to each other. Do you see that? And as these people come to faith in Christ here in Acts chapter 2, the natural expression of their devotion to Christ is connection with each other. They devote themselves to each other. Why? Because they desire connection. Just like we all do, because we were designed to connect. Now, what I want to do in this moment, though, is I want to zoom in on, on some of the key words here in this, in this passage. And I want you to see how this grows and plays out. So if you would, go back to verse 42 and check this out. As we've seen this, these four concepts and what they demonstrate about the two-fold equation, let's talk about the first word that describes this connection they experience. Look at it in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. They devoted themselves. The word devoted is an action word. And it means to be constant and consistent. It looks like intentional choices and actions over time. Meaning this wasn't just something that happened once. What Luke is doing here is he's describing the, and summarizing the life of the early church, this natural expression to connect together. And so they were devoted followers of Christ, which meant they were devoted to God and to each other. So if the apostles' teaching is the word of God, and the breaking of bread is the Lord's Supper and celebrating Christ, and prayer is our our direct communication with God, then what about this word fellowship? This word fellowship in Acts 2 is one you're probably familiar with, even in the Greek. The word is koinonia. And it's most often translated in our English translations as fellowship. The issue is that today, the word fellowship has really kind of lost some of its meaning with us. Because when we think of fellowship as good Baptists, we picture a good meal. And although they're breaking bread together and enjoying meals together, that's only part of the word. See, in the Greek, koinonia literally means to share with, yeah, but to participate in. It's bigger than just sharing a meal. It's participating in each other's lives. To participate in. Watch how this word plays out as we come to verse 44. I want to direct your attention to our first truth this morning. That fellowship requires participation. 
Look in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. These believers were together and had all things in common. It's not saying that they were carbon copies of each other. Each one had their own personality, background, careers, interests, everything. But when we come to this word, all things in common, it's the word koinos, comes straight from koinonia. And so they're sharing what they have. They're partnering together. They're participating in each other's lives. And this goes beyond being acquaintances. Fellowship requires participation. They're moving from observing what's happening from the outside to actively participating in each other's lives. Do you see that? So when they saw another believer in need, they met the need. This means that they were aware of those needs because they were looking for those needs so that they could meet them. And so participation involves generosity. But don't miss this, these people weren't rich. It's not like they just had banks back in that day to store up cash. Instead, what this, what this form of generosity looked like for them was a real tangible means. This meant that they were having to sell possessions like a sheep or land, in order to meet the need of another believer in Jesus Christ that they saw. See, this kind of generosity, this this form of participation involves sacrifice. As we participate in each other's lives, we're sacrificing our time, our talents, we're helping them with the, maybe the skills that we have and and we see that they need help with something, so we're, we're helping them do that thing And we're also sacrificing our treasure because we are devoted to one another. And what what happens here is this generosity and sacrifice, that's not the end of participation. Look what goes down in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread together in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They come to faith in Christ and they begin to participate in large group gatherings. Now, no home could hold 3,000 plus believers in Jerusalem, okay? And so they would go to the temple to worship God and, to, and to, to receive teaching and to talk about the word of God. But then notice that, that they still took those more, oftentimes, more meaningful moments by gathering together in smaller groups. And they would go into the homes and they would, they would share meals together and pray together and celebrate Jesus together. See, participation involves generosity and sacrifice and gathering and celebrating because real, real fellowship requires participation. Our second truth this morning, though, is that devotion to each other is not optional. Look again in verse 46. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so they attend the temple and worship God together. They break bread together in their homes and celebrate a risen Savior together. And so see, eating is a part of fellowship. So have fun at lunch today. But it goes so far beyond a Wednesday night meal. And it goes even further beyond just Sunday morning attendance. See, devotion to each other, that kind of fellowship requires participation. We have to be actively involved in each other's lives. And the only way that can really happen in a meaningful way is in a small group where you can be seen and you can be known and you can pray together very specific prayers. And that's what we see happen in Acts chapter 2. That's why it says that these believers devoted themselves to to the teaching of God's word, to the celebrating of the Lord's Supper and, and to the prayers, but also to the fellowship. They devoted themselves in a constant, consistent choice to participate in each other's lives. And what's the result? Why why is it so important? Not just so that you can be seen. Look at verse 47. It's not just so that you can experience connection. Look at verse 47. What is the result of, of when fully devoted followers of Christ devote themselves to God and to each other? What does it say? They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, our consistent devotion, where we're involved in each other's lives generously, sacrificially, to gather together, to see one another, to celebrate together, the the direct result is that kind of connection is contagious. And so the people there in Jerusalem, these believers, as they're they're sharing their lives with each other and they're participating and partnering together, the the rest of the city is watching what's going on. And they want what those believers have. And the response of those believers is unfortunately so different then than it seems to sometimes be today because those believers welcomed them in with open arms. the direct result of our devotion to God and our devotion to each other is a fulfillment of what Jesus promised when he said, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ if you are not devoted to other believers. You're missing a whole half of the equation. And so here we are. This is why CFBC, this is why we say we want to see every believer connecting in a small group. Because this level of connection can only meaningfully take place in a smaller group where you can be seen and known. And you can share your needs. And then we can share each other's burdens. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read a passage like this, 
my mind is blown by the picture of the church that I see. In fact, let's just read it again real quick. All together, just in this moment, just by all together, I mean these verses, okay? Starting in verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Get this picture in our minds. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon all and every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. How often? Day by day, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Day by day, those who are being saved. This is church. It's not a building. It's a group of believers who gather together to worship God and to devote themselves to each other, to participate in each other's lives, to love each other well. And so maybe you're like me, and when you, you, you read this passage, all kinds of questions just, just, just hit your mind, you know, like, How can we as a church experience this kind of connection? Or maybe even like, where can I find that kind of connection? And so we see that in, and you know what? This passage should inspire some introspection. Because maybe you're new to the whole church thing. And you're here this morning and and you you know you want to connect, but you don't know where to start, and you're honestly maybe even a little afraid of putting yourself out there. Maybe you've tried this before, and you're actually sitting here a little angry or uncomfortable because you've been hurt by a church. Maybe you've come back since COVID and you feel excluded or forgotten. Or maybe the group you used to be connected with doesn't even exist anymore. But see, for many of us, we, we, we are connected. Many of us who are connected in a connect group, right? We, we're, we're seeing this passage, and it might, it might still even be causing us to say, well, well, how can I experience that and what I see there? See, whether you're feeling inspired or introspective, can I tell you your feelings are valid But whenever we hear the word of God, we need to respond to what he's calling us to do. And and in this moment, that's, that's what God is beginning to call us to. Because here's the answer to how we can experience as a church this kind of real connection. Are you ready? It's a little ironic. It starts with you. How can we experience this kind of connection and community? It starts with you, but it doesn't stop with you. This, this is so important. To, to the disconnected in the room this morning, here's what I, 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 want, I want you to hear. You are designed by God for connection. And every believer is called by God to gather together. 
to serve one another and to love each other well. To those in this room who are already connected, hear me on this. Growth is not optional. Devotion to each other is not optional. Every believer is called to invite others into the community that you have and enjoy and to love each other well. If we are going to be a church that loves each other well, we cannot be the source of the disconnect. We can't be the source of that disconnect. Remember that, that, that Bible study and prayer are a part of the equation, but they're only half of the equation. And you and I, we are called to real devotion to Jesus, which involves devotion to each other. Our faith in Jesus is deeply personal, but it is incomplete without a body of believers that we can participate in. And you and I, we are called to connection. Throughout the New Testament, God calls every believer to a series of passages that are oftentimes known as the one another passages in Scripture. And in this list, it, 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 these are all commands about how believers are to connect and interact with each other. And so if you're here this morning and you're wondering, what is God calling you to do? Then I want to draw your attention to the screens. Where I've just, I've just put up some of the references of, 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 of several of these one another passages. But I'm going to read through them. And as we go through these, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be praying right where you are. And ask the Holy Spirit, what is he calling you to do? Are you ready? In John 13, Jesus said, I give you a new command that you love one another just as I have loved you. In Romans 12, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Don't miss that. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Instruct one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, the members would have the same concern for each other. Serve one another through love, Galatians 5. Carry one another's burdens, Galatians 6. With patience, bearing with one another in love, Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. In humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Scripture, Philippians 2.3. Do not lie to one another. But forgive one another just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Colossians, encourage one another. Always pursue what is good for one another. Let us watch out for one another and stir one another up to love and good works. Hebrews 10, don't criticize one another, brothers. Don't complain about one another, but confess your sins to one another and pray with one another and be healed. James 5. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And, and are you ready? Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
where do you find yourself in this list? Devotion to each other is not optional. And so we're going to move into a time of response. And I'm going to ask the the, the band to come back up, and I'm going to ask our staff to come down front. And our staff's going to be down front in order to pray with you and to minister uh, uh, with you. Because maybe you're here this morning, and the very first connection step for you is to place faith in Jesus Christ and become connected to God and a whole family of believers. And so if you've never placed faith in Jesus Christ and given up control of your own life and given it to God, then come down front and speak to one of our our team members. They would love to pray with you. They would love to talk to you about how you can place your faith in Jesus and become connected with God. But maybe, maybe you've been searching around for a while or maybe this is your first time here, but if you're not connected to a local church, hear me on this, you're called to be. And it doesn't have to be here, but we'd love for it to be. And so later this month, I believe January 24th, we're gonna have Discover CFBC. It's, it's a dinner that we have once a month. It's a free dinner. You can register online or or call the office and you can come and find out more about our church and meet Pastor Chuck and hear his heart for our church. And so if that's you, we want you to connect in a local body. Come down and talk to one of our team. But if you're not growing in a small group, then you're missing out on a whole equation here that we would devote ourselves to each other. If you're missing out on that connection, then, then I, here's what I want you to do. I, I don't know if we s- still have this uh, slide, but, but my, my, my hope is that we have a slide we can put on screens for our connect groups. And if not, you can go straight to our website and scroll down and click the group finder at the very bottom of the page where you will find a whole list of all the connect groups that, that meet You can look for age, and you can even see people's pictures, okay? Get connected. Whatever the Holy Spirit is calling you to do, this you must do. Finally, if you're already connected, maybe what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do is to connect others to the community that you have and welcome them in with open arms. I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to invite you. Go ahead and stand with me, and we're going to respond as the Lord leads. Father God, would you move in this moment? I know this this message has been a little bit different. Maybe it's been, you know, really inspiring, and that's what I hope that it is, but maybe it's been a little uncomfortable. God, whatever it's been for people, wherever we are this morning, Holy Spirit, would you meet us there? Meet us here and call us to respond so that we can all be a part of this connection. Father God, have your way in us in Jesus' name.